Parenting Podcast, where we explore gentle, positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm Kim Cameron Smith, your host, and this is episode three. In this episode, I have a great topic to explore, how to get kids to cooperate. Now, this is such a great topic because one of the big struggles for every parent is, I mean, at some point, our child won't do what we need them to do when we need them to do it. And what is this really? It's just a basic conflict of needs. We need to get through the grocery line or we need to get our child into bed or we need to feed our child dinner but our child doesn't think he needs to do those things. So he, you know, he's quite happy just to continue doing whatever it is he's doing. So of course this is frustrating for us. We are frustrated, especially if we're in a hurry or we have other children that we're parenting or honestly if we're just plain tired. We're t- we we get tired and we our adult brain does not understand why our child is not getting with the program. So when we complain that our child isn't cooperating, what adults usually mean is my child isn't listening to me or doing what I want him to do. But several years ago, and I can't remember anymore where I heard this, but I just found it really helpful. Think of cooperating as co-operating. Right, so we're reframing the issue as cooperating means cooperating. So let's ask, how can we operate together as a family to get the work done or to shop for these groceries or to get ready for bed? So if we begin first by framing the question this way, uh, we think we're thinking of it as how can we get our child to work with us rather than how can we get our child to do what we want him to do it's a subtle difference but i think it's very powerful so drawing on that i have three practical tips to share with you for creating a cooperative atmosphere in your home creating an atmosphere where it's natural for your child to cooperate i have used these tips in my home And I appreciate them because they have worked with all four of my children, despite their very different personality styles and temperaments, two boys and two girls. So these are really great tips. So the first one is to be very clear with your children about your expectations of them. So if you know your child has trouble cooperating in particular situations for example at the store in the checkout line or you know at um, the park or you know what have you be very clear before you get into that situation what your expectations are for your child so you know don't wait till you get to the store or to the checkout line to tell your child that you will not buy candy tell her while you're you know, still at home having lunch and you're having a nice conversation, be clear with her that if she wants to come to the store, she needs to understand that we will not be buying candy, but you're looking, you know, you're happy that she's coming to the store with you. Now, we want to be realistic about our expectations. So a two-year-old doesn't really have the maturity or the self-control to you know get to the store sometimes they'll need reminders that 
what you agreed on at home. An older child will usually remember. So I just mentioned this because we want to consider the child's developmental stage. So a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, when you get to the checkout line, they may say, you know, can I have candy? And you just need to remind them, we agreed there would be no candy and stay in control. Try not to be angry or reactive, just say very matter-of-factly, no, we in fact agreed at home that we would not be having candy, so I won't be getting any candy. But here, why don't you help me, you know, put the groceries on the um, conveyor or whatever. All right, so that's my first tip. The second tip is let your kids know what to expect from the day. So give your kids so give your kids um, routines like routines are really the golden ticket of winning cooperation in my home. So some of us really like taking the day as it comes. We like to be have a, like a relaxed approach to the day. And I found with my kids that when I do that, I mean some days I do that, but if I do that too often. I discovered that it affects my children's well-being. Like they really like to know every day what is happening. So I have a whiteboard and on my whiteboard, I every day, even over summer breaks, I write down sort of an overview of what's happening. And I write down on there what each child's chores are for the day. During the school year, we homeschool. My children all have a binder and in the binder, it tells them exactly what they are doing that day from classes, schoolwork, their chores, appointments that they have. So, you know, and even if your child isn't reading yet, when when Lydia was really little, I had a picture chart. So, and you can tell your child what is on the picture chart or just verbally at the breakfast table, you can say, if you don't have, if you're gonna talk about it you know, in a conversation, I would suggest, you know, don't give a preschool or toddler an overview of the whole day. I would start out and give her what's happening this morning and then preview at lunch what's happening in the afternoon and then preview at dinner what's happening after dinner. And so this habit of having strong routines, it sets your child up for success. So they just become a natural way for your child to practice responsibility, to exercise their emerging autonomy, and they just get used to doing these things. So it's just not a matter of you, you know, nagging them. They just do them naturally. They expect it. The other thing under this category, I would say, is the practice that many of us have of giving our kids 10-minute warnings, 15-minute warnings at a park, Ten, you know, we're going to leave in 10 minutes. It's 15 minutes before bed. In 10 minutes, we're going to need to brush teeth. Especially for younger kids, they have a hard time transitioning between activities. It's just too hard for their brains to transition with equanimity, so they get upset. And I like doing that because it not only helps them anticipate the transition, I just feel it's respectful of my child's activities. I personally do not like being in the middle of a show or writing or indeed podcasting and I'm interrupted and I have to go do something else. Like none of us really like that and children are no different when they're playing with their cars or they're reading a book or they're digging in the back garden. They also don't like to be abruptly taken from that activity. They like to kind of anticipate the change. So so that's 
letting your kids know what to expect. Now my third tip is really important. Make cooperating fun. It's kind of easy to do and we forget about this. So you will motivate your child to cooperate just by the lightness of how you approach the activity. So we, uh, in our book club, we have a book club on our Facebook page. So Gentle Catholic Parenting on Facebook. If you go on there, you can find our book club. But we recently read Playful Parenting by Lawrence Cohen. It is a great book with tons of tips about using the insights from play therapy in our parenting. So he gives you tips for discipline issues, for, you know, mood issues, for, um, you know, your child being stuck emotionally, having a hard time making friends. Well, one of the things is cooperation. So when you use simple, fun games, you can get your child to do what you need them to do. So for this is a, a concrete example. Lydia, my little one, she used to have a hard time coming to the table. In fact, I think all of my kids had a hard time coming to the table at dinner time. Uh, but I remember Lydia um, because I would use this tip that Cohen gives in that book. So instead of just saying, Lydia, it's dinner time. I called for dinner. You need to come to the table now, which is totally legitimate, right? It would not be a moment of tension between us because instead I would say, Lydia, it's time for dinner now. And if she continued doing what she was doing, I would walk over to her and say, "Uh, let's see if we can hop on one foot to the table or let's see how many steps it takes us to get to the table or, you know, something of that nature. So you can think of how this would apply in many situations. You know, the store seems to be the hot, button place for a lot of children they get to the store and I think they're just overstimulated and so make it a very playful connected time with you by giving your child their own list of things they need to find or just you know telling your child the next thing on your list and having them help you pick out you know the brand that you're going to buy or helping teaching them you know like why you're purchasing these things or you know what have you so the these are just simple it's our tone and our approach to the problem if we take a playful tone and a light-hearted if our being is light and not tense i think our children automatically feel more able to comply with what we need them to do and when you're playing while you're doing it it's just magic so i like all three of these tips because they are not about forcing our will onto our child they're about making a connection first and i think that is so important because Kids cooperate when they feel a sense of connection to us before we make a request. I think all of us are like that. So that's what I love about these three tips is they they just create a home atmosphere that is cooperative, right? And they, they actually strengthen your connection between you and your child. So for those of us interested in more positive approaches to um, parenting, I think these are a really great place to start in changing, you know, how we approach uh, engaging cooperation from our children. 
just a few notes about um, the tone of our voice and the undercurrent of what we're saying. I think it's important that as much as possible, we speak with a very calm, warm voice. Now, we are not robots, so this isn't going to happen all the time. We're human. But as much as possible, trying to get into the habit of remaining calm and in control, because when we do that, we can actually gather our child to ourselves, and then we lead them to the work or to the task that needs to be done. I also think it's really important to give information or describe what we see rather than calling our child's character or intentions into question. And I learned this from the classic book, How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen So Your Kids Will Talk by Adele Faber. It's just a great book. And she points out that sometimes what we're saying is perfectly reasonable, but the words that we choose can make our child feel like we're actually we're actually calling their intelligence into question or their even their intention. Sometimes kids don't intend to do something, but because they lack self-control and the brain development to um, you know control themselves, they do things that get in the way of living basically a hospitable life with other people. So an example of this is, so say, you know, you've played a game with your child and it's time to get ready for your, for bed and your child is resisting. Just say, remember, we agreed we'd get ready for bed if we had a game rather than being exasperated. I knew it. I knew if I played a game with you, you know, I'd do something nice for you and it's never enough. Now you want more. You know, just that, <laughs> just that you're, we're basically saying the same thing. We're saying, uh, no, you cannot have another game. But by our choice of words, we're focusing on the thing that needs to be done and we're reminding our child gently rather than basically making him feel like a jerk. Another example is, um, you know, kids sometimes when they're coloring, they accidentally write on a table and my, my kitchen table has, <laughs> has crayon marks on it. So instead of saying, you know, are you kidding me? You know, this is a brand new table. What is wrong with you? We say calmly, but firmly, tables are for eating on, not writing on. Remember, tables are for eating on, not writing on, and then you have your child help you clean it. Because really, kids are not usually trying to drive us crazy. They seem like, they seem like maniacs to us sometimes, but very rarely are they usually intentionally trying to damage our furniture or something. They just lack self-control or insight or, you know, they sort of lose themselves in, in what they're doing. So let me leave you with a kind of big picture. I think it's very important as Catholic parents that we remember and any issues about cooperation, we remember that our child's will is a gift. It is a gift from God. It is not bad. It is not something that we need to destroy. This idea that the will is bad is not a Catholic belief. And so there are some parenting approaches where that assumption 
is inherent in how they approach discipline. And so I think when we we just remember that as humans, it's it's really only through our will that we're capable of directing ourselves through the good to the good, the beautiful, and the true. How fantastic. But at the same time, you know, we do need to there is an underside to that, that the will can be used uh, incorrectly or improperly or in ways that, you know, are not leading us to God. So that is what our goal is. Our goal is to shape our child's will and to nourish our child with lessons and virtue. So I define cooperating as my child just obeying my every command, I am missing all of these opportunities to live in this kind of discipleship relationship with him. So that is what I leave. That's the big idea that I'd like to leave with you today. So that's it for today. I do hope you'll come back. Please visit me at intentionalcatholicparenting.com where you can find other podcasts, links to um any relevant articles um, on this topic. I have show notes there. You can also visit me at Gentle Catholic Parenting on Facebook, where I post links to scientific articles related to parenting, to, um, you know, different other parenting articles. And there are many Catholic parents on there like you, and they'd love, we'd all love to hear from you. So pray, please pray for me as I try to live in this more intentional, gentle way with my children. And I will uh, pray for you as well. And that's it for today. God bless.